Hi again, everybody. Thanks for listening to localjobnetwork.com radio and for joining us in our bi-monthly foray into some intriguing topics. We do that on the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts talk about any and all subjects employment-related. I'm Tim Muma, and today we're going to mix up our rotation a bit. I'm joined today by Liz Dotson. Hello, hello. Carrie Freitag. Hello. And Roselle Rogers. Hello, everyone. Now, as is our tradition on the show, we do have a wide variety of focus areas in our discussion today. We're going to start things off with Roselle and a question about the potential impact of school and some other decisions we make early on. Yeah, so I came across an interesting article which showed that your grades and your choice of major impacts your future earnings. There are certain careers or certain majors that pay more than others and that if you get good grades, your future earnings are also higher. So what do you think of this? Because it could tend to influence people's choices in their career. What about um, the advice uh, that said, find work or find something that you love and you will never work a day in the life. Do you think that's still sound advice in terms of um, career choices? How does all of this play into the mix uh, when making your career choice? Personally, I've never bought into it. Uh, <laughs> and my, my kids know that. <laughs> uh, if, if they were told by a career counselor, I made sure I, I, I would do take steps to undo it. And I made sure they understood that career decisions are not about what you love to do. I don't think necessarily that people who love movies can be good at making movies. There are many people, many examples like that. I think it would be better if they find work that they're, that engages them or work that they can be really good at, that they can hone their skills in, um, but also engages them and makes them, you know, interests them enough mm-hmm. to invest that kind of time to be good at it. Also, a lot of young people, they really don't know, and even older people, they still don't know what their true passion is. I would prefer that, you know, they find what are those things that they can really be good at. And, 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 and to me, that's better than having erroneous confidence in a false passion, so to speak. I think career decisions should be more about that than what is it that I love to do? Because you do have to balance it with several other things. Do you want to provide for your family? Do you want to be able to have health care benefits? Do you want to be able to save for retirement? And those are all factors you need to consider. But that's just me. So I'm interested (laughs) in finding out what people think and what your thoughts are on this topic. Well, I can tell you, uh, my five-year-old, if she did what she is good at and loves, she'd be doing monkey bars on uh, the jungle gym (laughs) until she's uh, 95 years old. Not really going to give her much uh, opportunity. No, in all seriousness, I think, you know, good grades are a reflection on certain characteristics of an individual, maybe self-motivation and achievement and those types of things. And I think good grades can open up more opportunity for people. And I think that's the thing is to be able to Put yourself in a position where you have a lot of opportunity that you're giving yourself to be successful. The whole do what you love. You know, a lot of people love to cook or a lot of people love to play sports, but it's probably not something that either they want to do as their job because they don't enjoy it as much or maybe they just don't have the talents to be able to do it. So my thought is, um, you know, you kind of try to find your talents and things that you're good at. And then you kind of find how that fits in with what you could do um, as far as contributing to society in your in your work life. I do find that you have to at least enjoy what you're doing. If it's not something that you enjoy, it's going to make for a very awfully long work day. That's true. true. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's tough with the, I mean, of course, I think in a perfect world, if you're good at what you love, of course, why wouldn't you do that? Right. But, you know, most of the stuff that, you know, people I've talked with, and I'm sure all of you have read and experienced yourself that, yeah, it's probably not going to be that way. But Liz, to your point, if you get good at something or you are good at something, you'll learn to love it. You'll appreciate it. You'll have the challenges, Roselle, like you talked about and being engaged. So I think that Yes, again, perfect world, that'd be great, but you have to look at it a little more logically in some cases. Maybe people don't like that, but again, to each his or her own. As far as the good grades, I'm a little torn on that. I think early on, it's important at least to establish the work ethic and wanting to improve yourself, you know, but some kids are just horrible at math. So what does it matter if they get bad grades if they're going into something that has nothing to do with math, Um, especially as you get into high school and college and maybe you find what your niche is. For example, myself. Now, I'm not bad at math, just for the record, but I went into, you know, the media and and writing and journalism. So math has no bearing. So if I had an F in my math classes, sure, you could say, well, you didn't try there. But I could argue, well, I was focusing on everything I was good at and was going to make a career out of. So I think there's a little balance there as you start to get older um, as far as the good grades. But, of course, I see that, you know, being able to push yourself and, and at least bring up that grade to something respectable because... In most cases, I would argue in grade school and high school, if you just try a little bit, even if you're not great at it, you'll probably at least get a decent grade. So I guess that'd be my take on the grade aspect of it. But I think I think we're all in agreement as far as the do what you love. It, it's perfect in theory, but I don't know how much it works in, in practicality. I agree. 10 okay. times 10, Tim. Let's test your math skills. Oh, boy. Uh, let's go with 100. <laughs> all right. He did fine in math. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's move on before we try to uh, test more skills of my math uh, prowess. (laughs) I'll take the next topic here. We're going to move into the workspace a little bit and give our listeners some tips on etiquette at work. Now, I'm thinking more of the little things that might make you that guy or that girl that you don't really want to be talked about. Um, And just we'll avoid using any names or descriptions of people in case any of our coworkers happen to listen to this or when we do play it here at the office. I just want to get all of your input on maybe things that do stand out as being improper etiquette or things that, you know, you've experienced or seen or heard that you would say, you know, this is something you really want to avoid. Uh, Again, it might be something little, it might be something major for yourself. We're moving into cold and flu season and that coworker that's just hacking and coughing like crazy, you don't really want to sit next to him. So if you're really that sick, you probably should stay home. My pet peeve is (laughs) email etiquette. Please write in complete sentences. (laughs) We're not texting each other on the phone when we communicate to each other via email at work. So that's one of my pet peeves. Write in complete sentences. Use capitalization. Use punctuation. The people you're communicating in in the workplace, they're worth that. (laughs) It is not a very informal, casual conversation that you, you would text them, you would email them the way you would text somebody on the phone. And then write a little bit more formally. Say hello for your greeting or maybe start with good morning, good afternoon, something like that. And also, whenever you receive an email, acknowledge it um, mm. so that we don't we would know that it just didn't just go into limbo or into a black hole somewhere. And even if you have no update for me, you can at least tell me and send shoot me a quick email saying I just wanted you to know I'm working on this. I don't have any updates yet, but I'll send you. Uh, an email as soon as I do. Then I know it's being worked on. Then I know that, you know, um, you, I will be hearing back from you. I'm not left wondering what happened to my email. How about if like a client or a customer, or maybe some of you are working with, they are coming at you with more like casual conversation and they put in a smiley face here or there or a wink. Do you reciprocate that type of dialogue or do you still stay the professional line? I still say 
for me at least, I still respond the same way I would normally mm. in a professional manner. I would still, I, I would also say, yeah, I had a really great week. I mean, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll match that kind of enthusiasm, but I still think that you can do that without necessarily changing your style of writing. Yeah, fair enough. I would insert the smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Can't use it enough, especially mm-hmm. if they're providing it, but I'm not going to put a sad face. It's got to be on a positive note. Sure, sure. I, can I don't see think that. I would emphasize a, you know, a sad situation. Mm-hmm. But going along the communications thing, one of the things we have here is instant messenger. And one of the things I always try to reinforce is the fact that if you're literally feet away from somebody, do not instant message. <laughs> Get up and talk to them. <laughs> good point. Um, I just, I think it's good to have that face-to-face communication when you can. Not everybody's fortunate to have that. And mm-hmm. so um, there is something to be said about social interaction and being able to see and speak and understand and make sure you're on the same page. And sometimes it takes longer to type up that instant message than it does to get up, stop by, say hello, send a smile and go on from there. But then along Carrie's lines too, I have to touch on, um, (laughs) there is workplace bathroom etiquette that I think is important. Mm -hmm. And um, that would be like if there's paper towels on the floor, picking them up, even if they're not yours, just grab a spare paper towel and, you know, pick up the rest. Same thing with toilet paper, but we'll just stop there. (laughs) And then wiping down sinks, countertops, you know, when when there's water and stuff, just making sure. Everyone wants a clean bathroom. <laughs> and Carrie, I'm not trying to pick on you at all, but I want to put you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> um, the sickness thing, I completely get. I understand that. Are there certain situations, though, that maybe people are okay with coming in? Maybe if there is a deadline or somebody's relying on them to do their work? I mean, what would you say in that situation? And how could they at least alleviate maybe your concerns about catching what they have? Well, if they maybe at least try to stay to their office mm. or if they have the option to possibly work from home in that case. But don't socialize, walk around the whole office coughing and on everyone that you come in contact with. That is when you can use I am. <laughs> yes, that's oh, a definite example. See, there we go. We brought it all together. I'm pretty guilty of using I am quite a bit, but that's I think it's more my personality. But uh, I'll do my best, Liz, to, Thanks, to pop around and <laughs> say hi to people. Unless I'm sick, then I'll utilize I am. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, moving on, regardless of the quirks that maybe uh, irk you a little bit or the pieces of etiquette that are inappropriate, you as an employee, of course, benefits are important. And uh, Carrie, you wanted to look at perhaps some different kinds of benefits that employers might look at. Recently, there was an article that Facebook and Apple have now begun a benefit for their female employees of freezing eggs. They wanted to delay motherhood for a little bit longer, which got me thinking about what other unique benefits might be out there. Uh, Now, this benefit comes at a $10,000 to $20,000 price tag, so possibly the other benefits aren't quite so much, but what, what else might be out there that's not your normal standard health dental vision? I love on-site daycare. Hmm. I know oh, yes. some companies that are big enough can actually have on-site daycare in on their premises. And I think that's a great boon to employees who have families. And then the other one is the spin on the tuition reimbursement. Because what if you didn't have any college loan? Uh, uh, say, for example, you, you already finished college, but now you have college loan. So some companies, instead of having tuition reimbursement is they have a program if you've Mm. already finished college where they will help you pay off your college Mm. loan. Or it is uh, a tuition reimbursement for your children if you're already that age where you have college-bound kids. So I think those are unique benefits. That's neat. 
I had to research this one because, I mean, actually, my husband's company, they have free lunch, which I think is kind of a unique perk. Mm -hmm. And then I had read a couple, and one of them was pet insurance. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on, Liz. Oh, that is. (laughs) You took mine. Oh, really? (laughs) That's more common than you think. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought that one was unusual. And then oil changes and car washes. Oh. Mm -hmm. Like while you're at work, like people take your car and and take care of that stuff. I thought that was kind of neat. And then on-site massages. De-stress, de-stress. Really? Yeah, on-site clinics or (laughs) on-site health services. I think Google provides that where they have doctors, physical therapists, massage therapists, and Hmm. pharmacies. You know, and I know in a lot of cases that makes sense. I mean, with even with the car items or with medical side that in daycare, it makes a lot of sense for the employer because now you don't have an employee saying, you know, hey, I have to leave at 2.30 to go to my doctor who's only available at this time, whereas on-site or if it's your car. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a great point. Liz, you mentioned pet health insurance. That was when I was going to go to. I, I did actually a show with somebody who um, they're with the Hartville Group and they work with the ASPCA. And mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers, I mean, you talk about the insurance and the costs of, of medical for animals. And mm-hmm. of course, for a lot of people, pets, they're, they are loved ones. They are family members. So I think that is something, Roselle, you said it's more common than we think that I could see it becoming more and more important to people and being a benefit that if you're a, a company that is looking to find a way to draw people in. Maybe that's something that helps with the benefit. So um, I do find that interesting. I will say also the uh, freezing the eggs. That I'm just throwing it out there. It seems a little sexist. I don't know how <laughs> I would be able to partake in this personally, but uh, I'm just being facetious, obviously. One other one that I came across with is legal a legal plan, where instead of um, having to pay a la carte when you see an attorney, you actually have insurance through your employer, which mm. helps you. Oh, seek yes. legal consultation under that insurance plan. I never found out about it until actually my attorney raised it. Do you have a plan? I said, no, what is it? <laughs> then I started Googling it. Oh, that is quite neat. Mm. Yeah, that's another good one. Carrie, did you have any other ones? that you? Well, along the lines with pet insurance and daycare, there's also some companies that might offer for doggy daycare. Oh. So your pet can be entertained during the day and yeah. while you're at work. That's a good point. That's uh, Our family has talked about getting a pet, but we're not home for hours upon hours, and we think that'd be unfair, but that would be a, a great compromise mm-hmm. there. Wow. Well, for any of those employers out there looking for a, a way to find a, a nice niche to bring people in, that might be a, a way to help. Um, as we look to wrap up our conversation today, we're going to look at something that could affect everybody in a way uh, when you're talking about goals. Liz, I'll let you take it away from here. Yes. So New Year's is just around the corner, and Typically, most people are thinking about New Year's resolutions. We're also approaching the end of the year. So those goals that were set are to be achieved uh, in the coming months. So I thought we could talk a little bit about six ways to achieve your goals and best practices there. So I'm going to highlight the six and then maybe we can break out and just talk about what ones you guys felt were particularly helpful for yourself or you might want to expand on. So number one is to, uh, when you're setting goals, look at it. So have some sort of visual just reminding you about the goal on a constant basis. Number two, tell people. When you tell it, you're actually, you know, owning it. And um, you'll also hopefully get some support in in return um, because people will then ask about it. How are you go? How's it going towards your goals? Break it up. So many goals and milestones along the way. Set a date. So commit to it. So one of the examples is if you're you want to do a marathon, actually signing up for that run mm-hmm. so that you have committed to it. Being realistic 
So don't set yourself up for failure and then commit to yourself. Do it. So (laughs) what do we think? Well, I have had experience with the vision board. One of my friends for a birthday party decided to have us all create vision boards. So I did create vision board. And one of the things on there was to go to Vegas. And I accomplished that goal. Yes, you did. (laughs) So what exactly is a vision board? How would that look for somebody? You take you. She had piles of uh, magazines of all different kinds, travel, health and fitness. And then you just cut out things that are important to you that you want to focus on. And then you stick them up on a board and then you put it someplace where it's visible that you're going to see it. And it just kind of keeps as a constant reminder of what your goal is and what you're aiming for. So do you have a limitation on how many things you have? Is it easier to kind of focus on? I kind of set it to more things in the next years or so at, at the time, not, you know, 10 years down the line. You know, I kept it closer to home. Okay. I like having a plan. Um, somebody told me before, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> so have a plan in place and then you commit to it. You set a date, you commit to it. And this is what I need to do to be able to get to my goal and, and really commit to it. I can't underestimate that. Don't keep postponing and changing your plan and move it to a later date because that's never going to get you to do it. You'll just And then it's good to have somebody really support you and, and keep encouraging you to do that. Uh, but to me, that's what has worked. When I said I will need to be studying on every Wednesday and setting this aside every Saturday and that if I... If I succeed at my goal, this is how I will reward myself or this is what I will do in return. And then everything went uh, according to plan and I, I did reward myself that way. Liz, I guess I would piggyback a little off of what you talked about in telling people about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's important just to have support for whatever you're doing. I mean, large or small. I can't count how many times I've had friends or family who have you know tried to do something or they have a plan. You know, Maybe it's health-wise or something else and... Somebody close to them is just like, oh, you know, you'll never be able to do that or I don't know how you're going to be able to manage that. How, you know, you got this, this and this going on. And, you know, I can just see how that would be so discouraging. And not that you have to have somebody cheering you on all the time, but just, hey, if you're trying to run that marathon and you've never run before and you're up to five miles, I mean, just somebody say, man, that's that's awesome that you're able to do that. So to your point, Liz, if you don't speak about it, nobody else knows about it, you're not going to have that support system. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I'm not I'm not big on you have to have this rah-rah cheering section, but just to have that every once in a while, you know, appreciate that. And and I would say have like a partner in crime, so to speak. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but if I'm running a marathon and you're trying to, you know, lose 10 pounds or whatever, there's there's a symmetry there that you can kind of come together and, and push each other on in a positive way. And uh, I think that would be a benefit as far as goals go. Yeah, I agree. I think goals are easier set when you're committing with somebody else too, because you're bringing that person along with you, which is nice. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of organizations will do that as far as, you know, whether they'll have competitions or they'll have mm-hmm. teams, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be for donating to charities or maybe it is a health program. Um, so that seems to fit across the board, whether you're trying to do it personally on your own or professionally in your own setting. I think the pressure works to your advantage, too. I mean, it's good to have a little bit of a pressure there because that will keep encouraging you and prodding you to not procrastinate or postpone doing things. Yep. Yeah. Great. 
Awesome. Well, unfortunately, that is going to do it for us here on the LJN Radio Quad. Agree or disagree with what we have to say, but we hope you've learned a few things that you can take with you, both personally and professionally. As always, feel free to send us a message to LJN Radio at localjobnetwork.com and let us know what you'd like us to talk about in the next LJN Radio Quad. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. We'd love to hear from you there as well. And please don't forget to tune in to more podcasts on LJN Radio. Whether you're a job seeker, an employee, or an employer, we do have you covered. You can go to ljnradio.com or check us out on iTunes, and you can search us there by looking up LJN Radio in the iTunes store, and that does include all of our quad podcasts. For Liz Dotson, Carrie Freitag, and Roselle Rogers, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.